should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because until they put us in a cone of shame, they can't stop us from licking ourselves. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who just can't stop, can't stopping. Benedict, who is your nemesis? Oh, you. Oh, nah, that was going to be my answer. I was going to say you. It's yeah, not fair. Oh, yeah. That's good. It's good to have a, a consistent. At least you're not. <laughs> at least you're my nemesis, and I'm not like your best friend. Like that would be. That's uh, just a tragic origin mm, story. You know that hurts a little bit because I think that nemesi, the plural, of course, mm. of nemesis, because I am good with English. The plural of uh, nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Uh, can be best friends. I don't know why there has to be a separation like that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the saddest nemeses are people like you have a nemesis and that person doesn't know you exist. Uh, yeah, That's the yeah. saddest. That oh. has happened to me a couple of times. That is Jordan B. Peterson and everyone. Yeah. Everyone who he hates who just doesn't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> I don't know. I think more people know who he is than, than should, <laughs> I guess. Okay. True. Very much true. But also, if you were to ask... I don't know, Nancy Pelosi, who I'm sure he's done a video on. Uh, How do you feel about Jordan B. Peterson saying blank? Who? Who is that? She'd say, I love Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) And then she'd pull some hot sauce out of her purse. That's right. Wrong purse, but okay. Anyways, Same vibe. (laughs) You probably know what it is we do here. But for those who don't, uh, them I would say... You know, folks who, who don't carry around hot sauce and purses. Mm. Uh, this and is the show. Do. Let's be inclusive. Yeah. Where we go, be, let, let's be uh, inclusive. Uh, yep. Uh, uh, yep. We should be uh, inclusive as uh, possible. And uh, I'm Muslim. Uh, the show where we go deep. Kism, kism, kism. Kism. That is Arabic, and I'm sure mispronounced. You butchered that. Wow. <laughs> Hey, I got the Google Translate version. That's good enough. (laughs) To plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Better to start us off. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Yes. So, as I texted you earlier, I have a new Mm -hmm. phone. Yes. I don't know what they've done in the four years since I last got a phone. But the robots are coming. Has it been four years? Since I Has got it last really got been new, that long? Since I last got a new it's one. It's been yeah. that long since you've sent me a blue text. It has, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, it's painful. Anyway, so I got uh, the Pixel 7. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can do things, man, that just... I've been sat on my couch just playing with the phone for like an hour. <laughs> just being like, oh my God, have you seen this? I don't, the, I don't, what, what, like what? Like name a thing. So it has a magic eraser, which is basically like auto Photoshop. So like you can just like take a photo of like a crowded square and then just like cut all the people out of the photo okay, with one um, click. You know what I have on my iPhone? 
I have actual Photoshop on my iPhone. Okay, but do I know how to use Photoshop? (laughs) No. Am I going to take the time to learn how to use Photoshop? No. Oh, that's good. I, you know what? I've been seeing a bunch of ads for that recently. It's good. It's actually it's a really good phone. Fine. What I've fine. I'm still an iPhone person. I'm sure. But look, now we have we have the opportunity to be sponsored by either Apple or Google. So (laughs) (laughs) one day, man. Neither the of them alive. want us. Come yeah, on, Daddy Soros, where's our cash? <laughs> that's true. What about your hot take? Uh, my benedict is that real citizen journalism still lives. Uh, and this is sort okay, of just an excuse I'm going to fight me you about this. <laughs> to um, slip in uh, a recommendation this week about something I saw that I liked. Sure. Um, can one I, of my can favorite we, YouTubers. Can, hold on. Mm-hmm. First, before you start. Can we please define that it's not 2011 and that citizen mm-hmm. journalism isn't better than the mainstream media because we're not having this fight again just because Elon Musk decided <laughs> that citizen journalism <laughs> is the future. Citizen of journalism also, means funniest uh, thing yeah, that tweeting he out ever, trans slurs. Yeah. Funniest thing that he's ever tweeted was being like, Twitter is the biggest driver of clicks on the web oh, ever. God. Like, do, like, oh, no. God. He's so pathetic. He's Simply so no. pathetic. Yeah. I also have to like address that uh, you know, the moment Donald Trump tweets, I'm done on Twitter. I won't delete the account, but I will stop. I will stop posting to Twitter. I'll just See, stop. That seems I'm not going to do it. That, I, I disagree with you on that, but we can talk about that offline. Fine. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, H-Bomber guy. I think his real name is Harris or Harrison. I don't remember. Yeah. 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 Do you know? Do you know H-Bomber guy? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's surprising that you know a thing I'm talking about. Uh, Does great videos. Really, really great videos. Full of really great sarcasm. uh, And obviously has a British accent. So that makes it all the better. It's actually Uh, me. (laughs) (laughs) But he just put out a new video after like, I think like eight or nine months of no activity on his YouTube page. Um, And it's this, I love the way it went because it just started with this thing about a sound effect from the Roblox game, which I don't play. I have no idea about. Apparently it's for children, whatever. Uh, But then it turned into like a two hour long video of him dissecting this guy who claims to have created the sound and his massive history of lies. Just claims to have done all these things and worked on all these games, fake Guinness World Records. It's amazing, and I love it, and it's fantastic, and you should check it out. It's wonderful. I don't think that's citizen journalism. I think, here's what I say. I will say it is because he reached out to the Guinness Book of World Records for comment. I think that counts. that's, That's just journalism. Sure. Like what? He's just a journalist. Right. But he, not he doesn't work for a... the New York Times or the Washington. He, he sure. has a YouTube channel. That is all yeah. he does, as far as I know. I but I I just I just don't think that's citizen journalism. I think what people mean by citizen journalism is like, oh, some random dude took a video at a protest. Wow. And way, like it went viral. Way to really uh, criticize me, circa 2017. <laughs> Yeah, you're a random dude. I was, and I was taking photos at, pro- at protests. No, no, you remain a random dude. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Uh, but on to housekeeping this week, Benedict. Uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod on Twitter for now and at NYGBCBen. Uh, updates. Um, so obviously, 
uh, you who are listening have seen the title of today's episode, which, by the way, I haven't come up with today, but yet I, I assume it will uh, have something to do with the topic and we'll tell you what this is about. You'd hope. Yeah, um, and I started working on today's episode uh, several weeks ago, in fact. I had to pre-clear it with Benedict because it's a topic I think he'd be uncomfortable with. Um, it remains so. Yeah, but remains so. Uh, and then Saturday <laughs> night, late night, early Sunday morning, uh, I started getting news alerts on my phone um, about the, the massacre in Colorado. Oh, uh, I have insomnia. I don't sleep. So I was up at like 2 a.m. when when those mm. news alerts started coming in and stuff. Um, and I decided to go forward with the episode. Um despite the connection to that sort of violence. Um, part of it is I didn't have anything else prepared. Uh, so <laughs> that's obviously a portion of it. Another mm. part of it is I just don't think there's there's a reason to avoid these topics. Um, no. This is something that happens regularly in our world and that we need to discuss and come to grips with. Um, and, and, you know, that sort of violence is its own demon. It's not necessarily directly connected to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it could be. It, it, we don't know yet. It certainly can be. It certainly yeah. can be. Um, I tend to think it's more likely this was, you know, Christian nationalist hate or anti-LGBTQ hate, uh, which is, you know, a component of right-wing thought. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that. We, we've It's everywhere. Um, you know, as a member of the LGBTQ community, th- these are my people who are under attack, mm-hmm. you know? Um and, and, you know, I spent the last couple of days just fucking wallowing in that. But I think, mm-hmm. I think I'm doing better. I think I'm doing a little better today. Um, I mean. But so anyways, yeah. we're going to go forward with today's episode. Uh, but, you know, um, I'll try and find a link to donate to the victims of that um, and put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to give anything. But we just wanted to recognize, I just wanted to recognize, Benedict had no idea I was going to bring it up, uh, that that happened and the connection. No, but I can still recognize it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but on to... I can recognize it ad hoc. Yeah, I, yeah. You know. Uh, on to the fun stuff. Uh, Benedict, we have some inductees into the spooky world, new world order there. Uh, and okay. I do have to also recognize that I got a message from patron, uh, Katrin Adams, who you oh, corrected yeah. my pronunciation on wrongly. Uh, yeah. I got it true. correct I the have... first time. <laughs> Katrin. Uh, thank you so very much for being a patron. But Benedict, we have another new patron today. And this one, probably the one who's made you and me the most excited in a long time. Yeah. Because as a new patron today, we have DJ Danarchy. DJ Danarchy, <laughs> you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. Yeah. And I gotta say, you and I are, are cool. both fans of DJ Danarchy. Yeah, we, both, yeah, we <laughs> both had a little small freak out when that happened. Me, nice. right, for the knowledge fight stuff. Um, and you, because you're a Majority Report fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, really, really it. happy to have DJ Danarchy. Uh, More a of Michael Brooks fanboy than a majority. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. But uh, really, really glad to have you, DJ Danarchy. Thanks for coming by. Uh, other inductees this week we have Major Mongoose. You are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And I should mention also that that induction is long overdue for a DM I got like weeks ago about <laughs> accessing academic articles for free online. So apologies on Which the long delay. Which you can't legally do, obviously. I, and That's I what would the never DM suggest said. that anyone do so. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then last inductee today, Jack Morgan. 
on Twitter who explained to me the train portion of the FEMA camp conspiracies. Oh gosh, um, I saw that. I could not bring myself to click to into the explanation. FEMA camp conspiracy yeah, episode are, someday. It's so great. Thank you for doing yeah. that so that I didn't have to listen to Kevin talk about it. Yeah, but Jack Morgan, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bah, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know, make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. Benedict, with all that out of the way, let's get mm. into today's episode. So, before we really get going today, right, we need to define what it is that we're talking about. I mentioned last time when I floated this idea... Uh, that this episode was not going to be about a certain type of terrorist, right? Like Brendan Tarrant, the New Zealand mosque shooter, or Dylan Roof, who carried out the Charleston church shooting. Those sort of acts inspired by racism, Christian nationalism, all that other stuff, they have their place for discussion. And if you know this show, you know we're going to be talking about them at some point. Mm -hmm. We're also today not going to be talking about shit weasels like Elliot Rogers or the many copycat incels who have followed him. And again, those will come up when we talk about the manosphere and misogyny in conservative culture. We're also not going to talk about religiously inspired Christian terrorists like Eric Rudolph, uh, the Atlanta Olympic bomber, who also bombed three abortion clinics in a lesbian bar, or the man who murdered George Tiller. Uh, despite the involvement of Rush Limbaugh in directing hatred towards George Tiller. Uh, that that killer had sovereign citizen and militia connections, and his motivations are more crazy. Um, <laughs> we're not going to be talking about Gabby Gifford's attacker today, because he had more complicated motivations, and also that one still bothers me immensely. Um, and the same for the murder of Joe Cox. We're not talking about that. Today, we're sticking exclusively to U.S. cases, I should also note, right? Although I do recognize this is an international phenomenon, right? The Joe Cox thing is, is one I bring up. Mm -hmm. It's primarily... It's a Brexit one. We're just, just focusing on U.S. Um, yep. Today, we're talking about a group that is much more discreet. Although there's certainly overlap in thought between many of those other right-wing terrorists and the people we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about people who have been radicalized into acts of violence, but what I will describe as a pure conservative radicalization. Can you define that? I for can. Me? Yeah. So, while we've discussed, and I do maintain that racism, sexism, and all forms of bigotries are inherent to conservative ideology, and that's not to say that those things don't exist outside of conservatism, of course, but just that they have a special place of importance on the right, the people who are our topic today had their primary motivation from a more pure source. The right's constant deluge of hatred for the left. And you can see my air quotes, Benedict. The left. So would you include, I know you said this is US focused, but like, would you include the likes of Anders Breivik in this? No, I would not include no. Anders Breivik because of his white supremacist connections. Um, Got it. Uh, Breivik had uh, definitely great replacement ideas um along with his his motivations um you know hatred of of immigrants and minorities all that sort of stuff that really sort of drived a lot of his uh reasoning despite you know obviously the targets of his attack just being the uh left-wing party um in norway uh yeah the labor party he, well he blamed the left for right for that sort of that stuff. ideology yeah. so you know like i said that sort of stuff is sort of outside of the scope of today i really mean okay. In this, and obviously these these people who we're going to be talking about, many of them are racist, are sexist, are bigoted, but their form of radicalization, the source of it, rather than starting in the white supremacy and leading them into you know just general conservatism, 
I think the conservatism had a larger influence on their radicalization than those other aspects. Um, and, and that comes down to, in a lot of cases, how conservative media served to radicalize these people. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, online spaces like 4chan and Nazi web pages and all that sort of stuff. Really much more mainstream right-wing media and social media is what did it yeah. to these people. So, in essence, these are people who took everything that Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, and the entirety of the right-wing media ecosphere had told them to their logical end. If the left really does hate America, wants to destroy it, if they're communists, Marxists, fascists, haters of freedom, conspiring for a new world order, trying to bankrupt America, if elections were constantly being stolen and a deep state or cabal or evil conspiracy were really running the world with these leftist, Marxist, communist Nancy Pelosi's at their head and you had no power to stop them by voting or participation in society, if any of that was true, then a logical if still immoral, response would be violence. Mm-hmm. It just it takes it to its logical extreme. Now, obviously, none of that's true, right? The, the, <laughs> yeah. the reality of our world... <laughs> All that stuff I just said, not right. right the, the reality of our world is just that the right and the left have different ideas about how the countries should be run and what our priorities should be, who we should protect. Mm-hmm. But the separate ecosystem, the constant drumbeats of falsehoods from the right has captured many of these people's minds. My parents included, certainly. And mine when I was younger, obviously. <laughs> and combine that with increasing militarism on the right, right? The campaign videos of Republicans firing machine guns wrapped in bacon. Uh, the acceptance of the militia movement, as we talked about, especially during the Tea Party era and their corresponding mm-hmm. influence there. Um, it's not the least bit surprising that this would lead to violence, and we've seen plenty of it. Um, and, you know, in an early episode when we were doing Donald Trump Jr.'s book, I sort of lost my shit um, at one point. I don't remember, I remember which that. one it was. And I listed off like 30 instances of people committing violence in Trump's name, uh, usually like attacking a person of color or an immigrant. But those sort of spur-of-the-moment bullshit acts like that, they were always bound to lead to more. Like January 6th eventually obviously came around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those sorts of things, I think most of what I probably listed there doesn't fit into the mold of what we're talking about today. But I think it's worth putting the spotlight on them as right-wing violence is, is definitely not limited to just big acts of terror like the insurrection that get all the media or, you know, the instances today. Um, you know, some of the ones, we, one of the ones at least we're talking about today didn't get very many, much media coverage when it happened and still hasn't gotten much media coverage today. Mm-hmm. We also need to talk a bit about murderers and their manifestos. These sort of, you know, mass murderers or people who intend to do mass murderers often leave a manifesto behind. And in recent years, there's been a discussion in society about manifestos or statements left behind and the appropriateness of discussing or circulating them to a wider audience. And I agree that there are very good reasons to avoid doing so. Uh, In one instance, like with the Buffalo supermarket shooter, his manifesto was essentially a roadmap with extensive Mm. details on how he planned and carried out the massacre. I'm of the opinion that it is not appropriate or responsible to share details like that. Um, you know, even though we trust our audience and I know it's highly unlikely that any of you would ever do such a thing. Um, I think it's just in the best interest of society to reduce the circulation of that sort of subject matter, even though the details in that manifesto 
are really the sort of thing that anyone could probably come to on their own if they thought about it long enough. People don't need to know that. Though. No, That's they fine. don't. That's okay. They don't. They That's really okay. don't. And also, we're not going to share I, it. I, I, I will say that, again, that person probably doesn't fit into the mold of yes. what we're talking about. Today, Once again, anyway. not the type of person we're going to be talking about today, right? Because he was a quick, racially quick motivated question, uh, relatedly. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you not fit? Sorry, where does the Unabomber fit into this? Where does Ted, Ted Kaczynski fit? Well, into the this? Unabomber was most certainly a racist. Um, he definitely yeah, but was that his motivation? Like, I feel like he had more of a, a well, he had an anti technological motivation. I think right? that's that the part like of it his... everyone talks about, and yeah. I think what people often overlook when they say dumb bullshit like, "Oh, he was some smart and he had good points to make." Um, is that he was a fucking psychopathic loon. I've read the fucking Unabomber manifesto. It's This shit's not, we'll not fucking deep, details. man. It's not yeah. fucking no, it's deep. Not. This is a fucking lunatic raving about bullshit. And I don't mean that like in the sense that people you know disparage people with mental illness by calling them crazy and stuff. I mean, this dude's fucking lunatic. He's just fucking... He has a melted brain. And it's mm. just nonsense. It's utter fucking nonsense. Um... But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Unabomber is more difficult to put into, you know, he's a square peg that doesn't quite fit in the round hole in a lot of cases okay. because, uh, A, he was in a unique time, um, B, he came from a unique position having been a university professor and a mathematician, um, and C, he completely fucking isolated in the woods and, and like I said, went fucking nuts out there. Uh, mm. So, you know... Fuck Ted Kaczynski, man. He fucking murdered people. Like, I don't know what more people want than that. No, that's fine. I just, I was just wondering why he doesn't fit into this episode. No, no. I, I mean, he's cer- I certainly classify him as right wing. I certainly do. Um, but I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't think that's debatable. Yeah. Um, uh, but in another case, right, especially in more recent attacks, the perpetrators have intentionally attempted to muddy the waters, um, knowing that the reasoning for their attack would be rightly pointed to as a cudgel against those like Tucker Carlson who propagate the rhetoric that ex- inspires them, right? Uh, Brendan Terrence famously was full of essentially 4chan shitposting, right? Claims about eco-fascism, even though he doesn't seem to understand what eco-fascism is. Uh, saying that he was inspired by video games. All sorts of bullshit in there that's really meant to mislead the reader. And it's important when talking about these to be aware of the unreliable narrator. And to avoid drawing conclusions that are not borne out by other evidence beyond the perpetrator's words... Um, you know, often the target itself um, can help to prove some statements and eliminate others, as was obviously the case with Brendan Tarrant, right? Just looking at who he decided to attack, you can call bullshit on on a lot of the stuff he said. But I'm going to be discussing the details of of one manifesto today, as well as other statements that were left behind, uh, like social media posts, because in many cases, they leave behind a pretty clear and stark view of what motivated these people. Um, manifestos and statements, uh, you know, they're no longer stuck in the traditional t- traditional form of a badly spelled handwritten screed. Um, these days... Sorry, you mean like letters cut out of glossy yeah, magazines no, and- yeah you know old old school you can go old school like that uh these days they can also be poorly spelled social media posts so we really do live in the 21st century screenshots of individual letters from <laughs> from the atlantics t- 
titles pasted together on a, yes, on a, on a Miro board. Absolutely. Just... And finally, we need to address that many of the people who carry out acts of violence and terror are mentally unwell. Uh, I mentioned that not as an excuse for their actions. Millions of people with all sorts of psychological issues get along fine every day. But because it's often used as an excuse by the right to explain these things away. And of course, never when the perpetrator is someone on the opposite side of the aisle from them, even if that perpetrator mm. may have the same sort of mental health issues. So when you say things... I will, I will say in the right's defense mm -hmm. is that when the guy who was very clearly left-wing motivated shot the Steve Scalise... Yeah, the one. Yeah, the one guy. They, they did not pile on on that. And I think that's probably because they knew that... They, no, well, you know what they always do? They, they, Please. It's not that they... No, no, no. Okay, so here's what they always do. Uh -huh. They What they do is whenever it happens that a right-wing person does it, they don't, They go, we didn't politicize the Steve Scalise <laughs> one, so you shouldn't politicize right. this Benedict, one. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but um, they're lying about not politicizing the Steve Scalise shooting because uh, they've yeah, all fucking I, done I, it. I, I, well, I, it depends how you classify it, but I guess maybe you're right. Uh, just go scroll through fucking Ben Shapiro's tweets every time a new mass shooting happens, okay? That's all you gotta do. Uh, but when you say the things I will that... absolutely not be doing that, by the way. <laughs> when you say the things that the people on the right say, which, as I've said, lead to the conclusions that they lead to, and someone believes you and follows them through to the conclusions that they lead to, you do not get to escape culpability. Regardless of what issues the perpetrator has, you bear some level of responsibility, and there is no escaping that. When you point at targets and say, those are the enemy, they hate you, they want you miserable, poor, and dead, and eating bugs, and then someone decides to attack those people, you bear some responsibility for that. That's just my position on the issue. Mm -hmm. And... I do also want to drop a content warning here at the beginning. Today's topic is obviously pretty disturbing. Um, and even though I'm someone who is dead inside and doesn't get bothered mm -hmm. by a lot of things, um, I, I got, you know, I, I had some I had some feels when I was preparing for today's episode. I got some disturbed by some of these people uh, and some of the things that they did. Great. Thanks for suggesting you need to do that on a Monday night. Yeah, isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? But better Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. So... <laughs> That's a bad way to lead into now starting the actual body of the episode. Well, is it? Yeah. It feels fairly it feels fairly apt given the genocide that followed. Yeah. So. Yeah. So on July 27th, 2008, Benedict, the Knoxville Unitarian Universalist Church was hosting a youth performance of Annie. Uh, if you don't know about the Unitarian Universalists, uh, that's actually a fun story. I went to Catholic school all growing up. Okay, just just quickly, mm -hmm. churches should fuck off with this shit. Like, what the heck? If you have more than two adjectives to describe your church, <laughs> you need to fuck off into the sea. Just get in the sea and don't come back. Okay, bad timing to be criticizing the name of this church, Benedict. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> <laughs> so um when i was in catholic school uh catholic middle school um all of our dances were held at the unitarian universalist church how many inches apart did you have to be oh man you know what if you get everyone clumped up close enough that none of the parents or chaperones can get into the scrum where everyone's just grind just grinding everyone is grinding on one another um none of us can dance we're just like i feel butt um, then, then they, they can't do anything about it. That's the real secret. But so this Unitarian Universalist building that we went to for all these dances, I don't know why they were held there. It's like, cause there were 
a number of schools and it was like neutral ground and everyone's like, yeah, those people. They're Sorry, cool. was this the Troubles in Northern Ireland? No, I don't know why. I don't know why it happened. I, no, no, it was only <laughs> other Catholic schools that went. There weren't the like Catholics any Protestant schools that went to it. It was just our Catholic schools in the area. I have no idea why this happened. Uh, but so with like this big round room that they had, it was like, you know, they had like a stage up there and stuff. And we, I'd always be in there and looking up and like, they have like, you know, a cross up on one and then they have a star of David and then they have like, you know, the the cross with the star and then they have like some Buddhist symbols. <laughs> and then symbols. an upside down cross. And I'd always and then... be like, what the fuck is going on? Can they just pick one or no? And the answer is no. The Unitarian no. Universalists cannot just pick one. They're basically okay. like free love hippies who grew up and needed something to do on a Sunday. Um, okay. and, and like they're, they're non-creedal. They combine a bunch of stuff like sort of a spirituality vibe, like ideas drawn from a dozen different religious traditions. You know, as a very anti-religious person myself, if everyone who believed in religion was a Unitarian Universalist, the world would be a whole lot better than it is now. That's all I'll I say. I feel a little bad about criticizing the name, but not that bad. <laughs> Well, let me continue to make you feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. So this was a pretty normal day for the congregants, right? And of course, because this was a children's performance, uh, many members of the community who weren't even members of the congregation were there to see the play. Uh, lots of grandparents, family members, etc. A crowd of about 200 people were watching the 25 children perform in the play when around 10 a.m. a man entered the church with a guitar case. Obviously, that probably wouldn't make very many people pay attention in a church, especially a sort of wooey hippie church like this one. People probably bing guitars all the time, I guess. I don't know. But shortly after entering, the man opened the case, removed a sawed-off shotgun, and began firing. At least one witness later told the press that they initially thought the bangs were part of the play. Uh, 60-year-old Greg McKendry, a member of the church and an usher, stood in front of the gunman to protect others and was killed before five heroic individuals jumped on the shooter and restrained him. Uh, two people in total were killed, including Greg and a 61-year-old woman named Linda Krager, who died at the hospital later that day. Seven others were injured. The shooter was a man named Jim David Adkison. At the time, he was 58 years old. Adkison had been adopted as a baby and graduated from high school in Harriman, Tennessee, a town of about less than 10,000 people. He got married right out of high school and was divorced very shortly after. He's married and divorced several times throughout his life, actually, getting married for the last time that I was able to find in 1990 to Lisa Alexander. He'd served in the U.S. Army from 1974 to 1977. That's after Vietnam. Vietnam ended in 1973. He struggled to find consistent employment his whole life, which was often a, a point of tension in his marriages. And he was also a very avid listener of talk radio especially and most notably two individuals by the names of Rush Limbaugh and Dr. Michael Savage. Why is it always these two? You know, so Rush obviously was just the most popular. I mean, Rush is Rush. The most popular. So everyone's going to listen to him. He's just a creature of vitriol. Michael Savage appeals Michael to a, Savage... Certain part, a certain type of piece of shit. Because Michael Savage himself is an incredible piece of shit. Was he the one that appeared at the end of the yes. Diamond and Silk documentary? Yes, he was. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's the one who I don't know if I send you sent you the audio clip, mm -hmm. uh, but got fired from his brief. I think it was MSNBC show for yelling at a gay caller and telling him to go. I think I don't know, choke on a sausage I think or something. We we've we've definitely done that audio clip somewhere. I think yeah, maybe on I don't the know. It's on the Diamond and Silk. Michael Savage Patreon. is an incredible piece of shit. In like it's. 
it, it takes real effort to be as big of a piece of shit as Michael Savage. It really does. And we are going to talk about him someday. I might make you read a Michael Savage book. Um, but his last end, his last marriage ended in the year 2000 after an instance of domestic violence. And somewhere along the way, Adkison's ex-wife had attended the Unitarian Universalist Church, which likely led to it becoming the target of his attack. Now, as I mentioned, Adkison was restrained by church members and arrested by police, and of course, immediately confessed. Uh, the search warrant affidavit that was filed in the search of his home states that during his interview, Adkison told detectives that he had targeted the church because, quote, because of its liberal teachings and his belief that all liberals should be killed because they are ruining the country, end quote. He also said that because he... Could, <laughs> That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also said... You, do, you, do you understand? Do you understand my criteria for today now after that? Yep. I think it's pretty clear at this point. Um, he also said that because he could not get to the leaders of the liberal movement, he would instead target those who had voted them into office. So upon searching his home, right, there was a search warrant application, and then there was a search warrant return. Um, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so you can see it. It's also, I think, linked on, like, the Wikipedia page for this event. I think that might be where I found it initially. Uh, includes the things that they took from his home. Um, they found extensive right-wing literature, including Liberalism is a Mental Disorder by Michael Savage. Great. Let Freedom Ring by Sean Hannity and The O'Reilly Factor. You know who that one was written by? Uh, Sean Hannity. No, 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 it's actually Tucker Carlson. Um, <laughs> they also found a manifesto. Now, okay, I'm going to read you some big chunks of this manifesto. I'm not linking to it in the show notes. It is on the internet if anyone wants to find it. But I think it will become very obvious why I think it is relevant to this show and this episode in particular to read. And also why the cops seized those three books that I mentioned earlier. So he begins by saying, quote, I guess you're wondering why I did this. Well, let me explain in detail. Okay. Is this like Malcolm in the Middle? Benedict. Like, yep, that's me. I guess I'm... Benedict, uh, Webster's Dictionary defines <laughs> trite. At, yeah, yeah. Let's start criticizing the writing choices of yeah, a sorry, attempted mass murderer's manifesto. <laughs> you know, I am what I am, and I'm an editor at heart, so... I get it. I get it. Um, I'm not, I will try not to improve the writing of his manifesto. No, please do. I'll tell... <laughs> no, look, I sent you my outline for this week's show, which has all these big block quotes in it, and I... Trust me, the misspellings in there I left in on purpose to make sure I mentioned when he misspelled certain things. Um, so that is, that is not me writing it improperly. That is his, uh, and we'll talk about it. So during the years, I've had some good jobs, but I always get laid off spelled L A Y E D. Now I'm 58 years old. I can't get a decent job. I'm told I'm overqualified, which is code word for too damned old. Like I'm expected to age gracefully into poverty. No, thanks. I'm done. Okay. Skipping down a ways. Lately, I've been feeling helpless in our war on terrorism, but I realized I could engage the terrorist allies here in America, the best allies they've got. The Democrats, D-E-M-O-C-R-A-T-E-S. I think it's pronounced Democrates. The Democrates. The Democrates. The Democrates. The Democrates have done everything they can do to tie our hands in this war on terror. They're a bunch of traitors. They want America to loose this war for reasons I cannot understand. It makes me so mad. And Benedict, he put four O's on so and two explanation points after mad. So I'm fine with two exclamation points. That's fine. This manifesto is a boomer post. 
obviously right in 2008 yeah, is, kevin all of these are email forwards i don't know what to tell you like every single thing that we read is an email forward of variant length but right right in 2008 right facebook had just barely opened up to the public right but the thing i want to highlight is that this whole manifesto minus you know maybe some of the actual plans for violence in it are just a facebook boomer screed it's what this is keep that in mind as i read more of it so skipping down a ways further, the worst problem America faces today is liberalism. They have dumbed down education. They have defined deviancy down. Liberals have attacked every major institution that made America great. Again, I'll let that rest for a moment. From the Boy Scouts to the military, from education to religion, the major news outlets have become the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. Liberals are evil. They embrace the tenets of Karl Marx. They're Marxist socialist communists. He then has a heading in the manifesto that says Unitarian Time is honestly a flat circle. Like this is, this could have been written yesterday. Yeah, it could have. Uh, So there's a heading that says Unitarian Universalist Church. And then he continues. Don't let the word church mislead you. This isn't a church. It's a cult. They don't even believe in God. They worship the God of secularism. These sick people aren't liberals. They're ultra liberals. This is a collection of sickos, weirdos, plus homos. The UU Church is the fountainhead, the veritable wellspring of anti-American organizations like MoveOn.org, Code Pink, and other anti-American groups. It, look, this this manifesto is horrifying, obviously, but yeah, I can't it is, not. But at the same time, it's like who gave grandpa a pen? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that different to what I might hear at a random person's Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not going home for Thanksgiving this year. Uh, <laughs> he then has a paragraph that I'm not going to read where he just reiterates that the church accepts perverts, uh, etc., but not conservatives. I mean, he's not wrong that it accepts perverts. I mean, yeah, Uh, but not conservatives, because conservatives hate perverts. I don't think he was Um, talking about the clergy, though. No, no. Uh, and content warning for this next portion. It's, It's got the racisms and the homophobias. He continues, quote, They call themselves progressive. How is a white woman having an N-word baby progress? And obviously he used the word there. He didn't uh, self-edit. He didn't self-censor, no. How is a man sticking his dick up another man's ass progress? It's an abomination. He then tells us very clearly what this was. He says, quote, This was a hate crime. I hate the damn left-wing liberals. There is a vast left-wing conspiracy in this country, and these liberals are working together to attack every decent and honorable institution in the nation, trying to turn this country into a communist state. Shame on them. This was a political protest. I'm protesting the liberal Supreme Court justices forgive the terrorist at Gitmo constitutional rights. His, His error, not mine. I'm protesting the major news outlets, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, PBS. Huh. Is that a complete list, Benedict? Or is there maybe one missing off there? For being the propaganda wing of the Democrat Party. It's criminal what they're getting away with. They're traitors. They must be stopped. I'm protesting the DNC running such a radical leftist candidate, Osama Hussein Obama yo mama. Who wrote this, Dinesh D'Souza? (laughs) I have to reiterate that he put those words on paper. In that order. Osama Hussein Obama Yo Mama. I... I... (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sorry to laugh. I really am. I Look, I understand. And I think everyone listening will understand. You can't not. You can't not. He then follows that with, quote, No experience, no brains, a joke. Dangerous to America. Hell, he looks like Curious George. That is so racist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He then continues, This was a symbolic killing. Who I wanted to kill was every Democrat in the Senate and House. The 100 people in Bernard Goldberg's book. Um, and just as a, a note on that, uh, Bernard Goldberg is another piece of shit uh, who wrote a book titled 100 People Who Are Screwing Up America. Uh, and I think Courtney Love was in the book. It's it's one of those things I saw on a coffee table back when I was a right-wing shitbag and skipped through and went, ha, see, these people suck. But he wanted to kill all those people. Um, I'd like to kill everyone in the mainstream media, but I knew these people were inaccessible to me. I couldn't get to the generals and high-ranking officers of the Marxist movement, so I went after the foot soldiers, the chicken-shit liberals who vote in these traitorous people. Someone had to get the ball rolling, so I volunteered. I hope others do the same. It's the only way we can rid America of this cancer slash this pestilence. And the manifesto finishes with a final page in which he explains that he's planning to die in this attack, even saying to basically thank the cop who kills him. Mm. Uh, he compares Democrats to termites and, again, is encouraging others to do what he's done. It's sick. It's the product of a brain broken by Fox News, um, which, you know, only served to reinforce, I think, the bigotries and beliefs that he likely held even before Fox News existed. But I started with Jim Adkison today for a couple of reasons, right? First, this incident got such little attention from the world, and it still hasn't gotten much attention. But rightly, it should have been a watershed moment, right? It, it should have been a moment for soul-searching on the right and thinking about what they had inspired. But as we know, that didn't happen. It obviously only got worse from there. And I will note that I owe some credit to uh, The Right Podcast, where I originally learned about Jim Adkison, uh, and also for a note that was in... Uh, the right podcast. Uh, they do. He does a podcast, and also it's on YouTube. I'm one of those purists who refuses to call a YouTube video a podcast, but he also puts it out in podcast format. You know. Uh, but also one thing that he noted in his YouTube video, which is that on the YouTube video that the Knoxville News Sentinel posted, titled "Jim Adkison Pleads Guilty," there are a total of four comments. One of which is, "Quote: He was a hero." Yeah, I mean, that's not a surprise necessarily because whenever things have a low audience, it tends to be people that care about the thing mm -hmm. that become its audience. So it's not great, it's not. obviously. It's not. But it's, I, if you'd asked me to guess, I would have guessed that that was the case. Yeah. So second reason why I started uh, with this one is because obviously this happened in 2008. Um, and as much as the Republican Party has been a shit show for my entire life, there is no denying the shift that occurred in 2008. And that's not just because of Obama, although he definitely, you know, was probably the largest part of that. But the rhetoric amped way the fuck up in 2008. And by the time Fox News had developed into basically what, it, you know, at, at that point anyways, Fox News had basically developed into what it is today, along with, you know, outlets like Breitbart coming along, the proliferation of a variety of far-right blogs and online outlets, and of course, social media that only increased the level of radicalization. Sorry, quickly, this was pre-Obama 
election. This was pre-election. So this was earlier that year. So that's why he mentioned yeah. in the manifesto that the DNC had nominated yeah. a yeah, Marxist yeah. Obama, Yo Mama, Hussein, all that stuff, right? Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, 2008 was a major watershed moment on the right. And we've said that a million times. But obviously there was another one coming eight years later in 2016 with Donald Trump. So in February of 2016, a man on Facebook posted a link to a YouTube video titled, quote, Is Barack Obama the Antichrist? No. 100% proof is there. Um, Followed a few days later by another link to a video titled, Satan sent Obama to destroy America. And he did it. (laughs) Uh, He followed that with clips of Sean Hannity videos, links to Infowars, WorldNet Daily, Breitbart, and just the general milieu of the right-wing media at the time. Uh, A month later, before the November 2016 election, or month before the election, rather, he posted a photo of himself in a Make America Great Again hat at a Trump rally standing next to someone that I think many people have come to at least be vaguely aware of, the gods2.com guy, Benedict. You know who I'm talking about? I do not know. This is the guy who stands behind Trump at nearly every single rally with his Blacks for Trump sign. Do you know, honestly, I think it has been since 2016 since I actually watched a mm. Trump rally. It. I feel I feel happy for you. I feel very happy. Yeah, for you. <laughs> it's very pleasant. <laughs> but this guy wears a T-shirt with a link to his website, gods2.com. Um, okay. He is a former, former in heavy air quotes, uh, Black Hebrew Israelite cult member. Um, oh, that that's fun. Yeah, the Black Hebrew. Yeah, he yeah. and his mother and his brother got involved with a cult, uh, an offshoot of the Black Hebrew Israelite movement uh, that was run by one particular guy who is now in prison. Um, and and. I'm unclear on whether he actually left the cult or not, because as recently as 2011, um, he gave an interview where he said that the reason why he didn't feel scared about criminal charges that he was facing, the the man who holds the, the Blacks for Trump sign, who was facing criminal charges for murdering a man, uh, mm. which his brother testified to, um, were because the cult leader didn't feel scared. So, and that's a, lo- a while after the cult leader was convicted. So, I don't know if he's ever actually left the cult or not. But, if you go to that website, you will find such fine statements as, ISIS and Hillary race war plot to kill all black and white women of America with MS-13. Wow. It's, uh, that's, that's, that's like Mad Libs for weird shit. They put that Jesus man Christ. behind Donald Trump at nearly every rally, Benedict. Nearly every okay. one. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me. This man, back to our guy, our poster, um, he was active on Twitter and Facebook, although he never really gained a large following, right? His Twitter account at the most had about 1,200 followers. Wow, that is so many more than me. Yeah, yeah. In June of 2018, he tweeted a birthday card to Trump calling him a gift from God and the greatest result president ever. Okay, that's not that weird. That's I don't know weird. why that's no, a bullet no, point. No, 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 no of course thing. not. Uh, later that year, he started tweeting out poto- photos of David Hogg calling him fake and accusing him of being paid by George Soros. Is that okay. a little weirder? It's certainly a little weirder. Yeah, little we're getting weirder. there. Uh, <laughs> he sent a tweet to Maxine Waters that included a photo of her house and the message, see you soon. Yeah, that's Are not great. Are we in weird now? Are yeah, we we're, starting to get, we're starting to get our trousers <laughs> off now, I'd say. He sent a message to Eric Holder that said, see you soon, TikTok. Another one to Zephyr Teachout, the New York Attorney General candidate that read, 
We Unconquered Seminole Tribe have a special airboat tour lined up for you in our swamp Everglades. See you real soon. Hug your loved ones. Mm. We're yeah, officially this is fully weird now. This is fully this weird. Is, yeah, yeah. We are fully weird. Then on October 22nd, 2018, an employee of George Soros, actual employee, not an imaginary one. I have to clarify. It's important in our, the space that we operate in. Uh, retrieved Mr. Soros's mail from the mailbox of his home in Katona, New York. And when they went back into the home and opened a package, they found what appeared to be an explosive device and immediately called the police. The bomb squad was dispatched and took the device to a wooded area nearby where they detonated it. Now, I think you know what we're talking about at this point, Benedict. <laughs> Yeah, the Magabomber. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, and at the time, right, the day of, uh, people just thought that, you know, I think many people just thought this was a crazy one-off. Um, you know, Soros is obviously the constant center of right-wing conspiracies. Um, but there hadn't, at that point, on that day, been any reason to think that there was anything beyond just a one-off attack on George Soros. Although I will admit that I think I pretty much texted you the moment that the news came out, something about, oh, it's a fucking, it's a fucking Trump bomber. Mm -hmm. I, I think I texted you something like that that day. I think immediately, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that was it. Then the next day, October 23rd, a package with a similar explosive device was found by Secret Service agents during a mail screening in Chappaqua, New York, addressed to Hillary Rodham Clinton, although he misspelled uh, Hillary with only one L on the package. And then over the next week, uh, the following week, bombs were sent to President Obama, Eric Holder, Maxine Waters, John Brennan, Joe Biden, Robert De Niro, James Clapper, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, two to California billionaire Tom Steyer, and of course CNN headquarters in Atlanta. All of the packages had return labels addressed to Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz in Florida and included a meme of the ISIS flag with the catchphrase of Larry the Cable Guy, get her done. <laughs> I think if I try and say that like him, then we have to pay him oh, royalties, God. so I'm just going to yeah. do it so in So you tried to way. say it in the opposite way? Yeah, yeah we're doing it in the, the Walmart version. No, that, his is the Walmart version. We're doing it in the, oh God, what would be the opposite for that? The Williams-Sonoma version? I don't know. Uh... Initial reports were confused on the bombs about whether they were actually viable or not because they were not rigged to explode when the package was opened. Uh, but the FBI eventually confirmed that they were rigged with battery-operated timers and they were, in fact, real pipe bombs. The FBI very quickly were able to use a fingerprint left on one of the packages and video surveillance from the post office where the bombs were sent to identify the bomber as Caesar Syok Jr. of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh... So Syok was born in 1962 in Brooklyn, New York, to a father who was a Filipino immigrant and an Italian mother. And I mention the ethnicities because it becomes relevant. Trust me. Okay. Uh, his father abandoned... I love it when people say that. I mentioned I the race. <laughs> Great. <laughs> his father abandoned his mother and him when he was young and moved to Florida with his mother. Uh, Syok has a significant criminal history for drugs, battery, theft, and terroristic threats, including bomb threats. And in 2001, he apparently registered a business named, quote, Proud American, uh, I'm sorry, quote, Proud Native American One Low Price Dry Cleaning. And in 2016, another business named Native American Catering and Vending LLC. At this point, I will remind you that he was the child of a Filipino father and an Italian mother. Uh, again, 
relevant. In 2009, his home was foreclosed on during the mortgage crisis. Obviously not a good thing to happen to anyone, but uh, at his, with, with his proclivities, including the fact that he was a bodybuilder with a history of steroid abuse, um, that might not have helped so much. He was also, as was widely reported, a former male stripper. He claimed in a deposition in 2014 for another case to have played soccer for AC Milan. <laughs> he did not play soccer you for AC Milan. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have a, a Sioc jersey? You don't no, have a Sioc? Oh, God, you know what? You know what? I bet you, I bet you, there is one person out there who, after this happened, got a custom-made Sioc AC Milan jersey yeah. just for the hell of it. I bet you one person did that, and now I want it. Yeah. And of course, he also claimed to have been a partner in the Chippendales, which was also not true. Um, Prior to 2016, his online footprint just doesn't show much political interest, uh, but he was most definitely inspired by Donald Trump. Uh, He registered as a Republican on March 4th, 19, not 19, 2016, um, and as I mentioned, attended at least one Trump rally that we know of. And his social media was filled with pro-Trump material. But even more interesting, Benedict, was the van. So I think most of us remember the day of the arrest uh, yep. and the news footage. Oh, I remember van. that van. It has burned onto my... Oh, boy. Uh, and, you know, there's this whole thing that happened that day where they covered the van with a tarp. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and people online, I think, were pretty upset about that because they were like, they're hiding. All these obvious far-right quack bullshit that's on his van. Um, and I think that's that's maybe a valid criticism. It's also possible that they were like, we need to avoid, you know, tainting a jury pool mm-hmm. with all this bullshit. This shit's going to be all over the news. I'm just saying it's possible there was a reasonable reason for them to do so. Uh, I'm not saying that they did do it for a reasonable purpose. I'm just saying it's possible that there was. But, you know... They towed it from the parking lot of an auto parts store where they had arrested Sayok. Um, it's one of those vehicles that you see from time to time on the road and makes you want to drive into a ditch just to get away from that fucking nut bar. Yeah, I right? have to say, I don't drive, but it gave me PTSD somehow. Like- yeah, every window of the van was plastered with large decals that are essentially a collage of just batshit nuttery, right? Mm-hmm. The closest I have ever come to seeing sunk this, something like this in real life um, is when a professor I had in law school was being harassed online by someone who he had banned from life for commodities futures trading when he was uh, an attorney at the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Mm-hmm. So my professor had banned this guy. This guy created an insane website with a bunch of bad photoshops and block tests that you like couldn't understand without a cipher. And it like, he, he managed to work SEO to the point where if you Googled my professor, some of the memes that he posted on the website showed up on oh, like wow. the little information window that comes up on Google when you do a search for someone. And it's things like, like the little knowledge bar, you mean like the, yeah, oh, they wow. showed up there. They That's showed crazy. up there. And like, this guy was like calling him professor Bratwurst <laughs> because his undergraduate degree was in Germanic studies. Wow. That's <laughs> problematic. It was insane. Yeah. It was fucking insane. I have to see if that website is still even up. I think at some point he filed a cease and desist. Um, but so, I'll link to a great Washington Post piece uh, on archive.org for those who can't get past the paywall uh, that goes over all the images one by one. But let's talk about them a bit ourselves, right? 
So one of the window collages had no less than four pictures of Trump and Pence, including one which said Native Americans for Trump with the flag of the unconquered Seminoles of Florida Tribal Council flag. I will note here, this is why it was relevant, Benedict, Mm -hmm. that the Seminole tribe have said that Syahawk is not a member of the tribe and they have no record of him or his family whatsoever and that he has not worked with the tribe in any capacity. Another one, another one in that collage says... Top youth soccer recruits for Trump. And I mean, I guess if you played for AC Milan. Yeah, you, you would be you would be among the top youth <laughs> soccer recruits. Yeah, that's true. AC Milan are a, a stellar if, team. If he played for AC Milan. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was also in his 50s at the time, though. And uh, one, that is the image of Trump standing on a tank with fireworks and a giant flag in the background. I think... It's one of those, you know, memes that goes around from time to time. Like the the tank has Trump written on it and stuff. It's just one of those amazing right wing jerk off memes to Donald Trump where he's Mm -hmm. just got the chiseled body and all that bullshit going on. Um, Other images in that collage include a CNN sucks meme. And of course, several images of politicians with crosshairs on their faces, including Hillary Clinton and President Obama. On the back window, one of the sides was and this is literal Benedict, literally just a bunch of boomer memes. Like literally two of them are the Ray Liotta Goodfellas laughing meme. Two of them. <laughs> two of them. Oh God. Just like, to, come on, you, what, couldn't, what's the you couldn't do another meme. You couldn't get another one. You had to do two of the Ray Liotta meme. What yep. the fuck? Yep. It's great. Um, and on the front passenger side window, next to a version of the presidential seal that had Trump's face in the middle, was a yellow sticker that said ISIS hunting permit. I don't so, think you need a hunting permit for that. I, you know, I, I think um, I don't think they're issuing permits to our troops uh, no. if they're over there. I don't I, I think you just have to be able to play video games these days. Uh, obviously the reaction to the MAGA bomber was basically what you would expect. Uh, mm-hmm. Trump blamed the media uh, for his fan directly inspired by him doing exactly what you would do if you believe the things that Trump says. Uh, Rush Limbaugh also almost immediately claimed, before we even knew who the suspect was, um, that this couldn't be a Republican doing it. Couldn't be. Sure. He actually said, quote, Republicans just don't do this kind of thing. Even though every event, like mass shootings, remember, I tried to do a Rush voice there. And it just yeah, didn't I don't bother. It's fine. Every mass shooting there is, the Democrats and the media try to make everybody think right off the bat that some Tea Partier did it, or some talk radio fan did it, or some Fox News viewer did it. Turns out, it's never, ever the case, my friends. I got a, I got a little bit of the... the, the a little, the, yeah, yeah, no, little yeah. bit. Um, of course, that that's just plain out bullshit false, because it's almost always uh, a right-winger, or a Tea Partier, or a talk radio fan or a Fox News viewer. It almost always is. Um, others like Dinesh D'Souza and Coulter, Alex Jones obviously went full on false flag, claiming that this was actually a Democrat op. That this Everything's was, was an all, op. Everything's it's an always op. an op. It's always an op. You know, it's just meant to make Trump look bad. That's what it's all about. Um, it, it was a despicable response, right? A despicable response from the right. But it followed the new modus operandi. We do nothing wrong. And when we do do something wrong, we're actually right to do it. And if it's actually wrong, it's a Democrat's fault somehow. You know? Yeah. The, the, you made the us claim, do this. Right. The claims of false flag is really, 
they're really just a reflection of the right's complete complete capture by the conspiracy theory mindset. That's really all that is. Um, you know, obviously we know Sayak wasn't the first and was far from the last person radicalized into violence by Trump and right-wing media. I mean, January 6th, anyone? But we also have some other examples that occurred, obviously, very, very recently. And I don't know if you remember or not, Benedict, because time is a flat circle. Uh, but a few months ago, Donald Trump's home was raided by the FBI because he stole classified documents. Do you recall that? Yes, I do. Okay. Good. I wanted to make sure. Well, that happened on August 8th. Mm -hmm. And a few days later, on August 11th at 9.15 a.m., a man named Ricky Schiffer. I completely forgot about this until I saw it in your notes. <laughs> like, that, it completely went from my mind. Walked into the visitor's screening facility of the FBI field office in Kenwood, Ohio, a suburb of Cincinnati. Schiffer was a 42-year-old Navy veteran and a participant in the January 6th insurrection. He attempted to use a nail gun, apparently to breach the bulletproof glass at the visitor Yeah, because he thought he'd found a way around bulletproof glass <laughs> and he thought it was nails. I still, I still do this. I, look, the only reason I still remember this is because I, you know, once every three weeks, I, I sit up straight in bed like people <laughs> like don't actually do when they wake up. fucking nail guns. And right I, why did you think a nail gun would work? Why would that work? It doesn't Very make sharp. sense. I guess it would I be a been... very concentrated pressure point, I guess, is the only... So is the front of a bullet! Uh, Kevin, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, back when I first started out working, uh, the first thing I did was working at the yard for my dad's construction company. Um, I was a non-union scab, and I should be shamed for that. That's, uh, I wasn't actually should. a scab, because I was just a yard... I was just a yard boy, so but um, so I would you know put okay, together stuff that's at the some, yard. Like I was just a yard boy back in the day. I <laughs> I wasn't taking a job that would otherwise be taken by a union carpenter or, gotcha. or anybody. I was in a make work job for my parents to justify paying me some money. Um, but anyways, so I put together forms for pouring concrete, and so I used a nail gun a lot. And I also used a nail gun when there were other guys there. Immature construction workers who like to fuck around and shoot nail guns at other people. I have shot nail guns at other people, and I have had nail guns shot at me. If you're more than, like, a couple feet away, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck you. Don't do that. That A nail gun's not going to do anything is the entire point of this story. Gotcha. That's the entire point. I still, why a nail gun? Why did you use a nail gun? God damn it. So obviously, Benedict, uh, the nail gun didn't work. And then... <laughs> that I know we're doing this live. That sounded like an edit. That sounded, <laughs> that sounded like a hard cut. <laughs> and then when the nail gun didn't work, he waved an AR-15 AR uh, type rifle uh, before fleeing in his vehicle with the FBI and state police in pursuit, firing at the, pr the pursuing officers during the high-speed chase. With the nail uh, gun? <laughs> you know... Okay, here's the other question. Here's the other question. We're gonna talk. We're gonna spend fucking twenty minutes talking about nail guns today. Okay, Benedict. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Nail guns, generally, ninety thousand percent of the time, other than like a couple of shitty ones that are electric, are are powered by compressed air. So you have okay. to have a compressor with a hose that is hooked up to the nail gun. And yes, there are some that have a backpack compressor that like framers can use when they're doing houses mm -hmm. and they, you just put it on their back. They got a little compressor, at least an air tank there. They can run the, the nail gun while they're up there doing their work. Uh, I prefer to imagine 
that Ricky walked in with a gas-powered compressor. That is 100% what happened. Pulled the cord and fired it up. Got it going. And then had to go, ah, give me a sec. I got this thing. Because compressors take a few minutes to get up to pressure. What's and then a, you had to sit there funnier, and wait. What's a funnier way? Like, in my, in my head, I'm trying to think of funnier th- ways that this could have happened. In my head, it's like a chainsaw. <laughs> but like one of the, like, the like a, like a full, like, gas-powered chainsaw. You know? Like... <laughs> Uh, you know what? Chainsaw probably would have done better against bulletproof glass than the nail gun. Probably would have done better if I had to guess. <laughs> so anyways, he was eventually cornered in a cornfield and a standoff ensued that lasted about six hours, during which the FBI attempted to negotiate, but Schiffer refused to surrender. And at 3.45 p.m., they attempted to take him into custody, but Schiffer pointed his gun at officers and was shot dead. Now, Obviously, many people, myself included, thought that this was likely connected to the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Mm, possible, perhaps. Yeah, I and I think our suspicions... Maybe even probable. Yeah. Our suspicions were very soon proven to be correct, thanks once again to the social media manifesto he left behind. And I think in this case, if I remember correctly, I didn't write it down in my notes, uh, but Travis View um, of the QAnon Anonymous podcast is the person who actually originally tracked down his social media profile on Truth Social. So, you know, of course, that didn't stop Trump from claiming to people close to him that Schiffer was posing as a Trump supporter to discredit him, which is something that was reported by Rolling Stone. Uh, but most notably in this case, as I said, Schiffer was active on so on Truth Social, mm. Trump's failing social media dead zone and Twitter clone, right? Um Schiffer's profile was located pretty quickly, like, I think even before he was killed. I don't remember entirely, but I think I recall it being before he was actually even killed. Mm. Um, And it was pretty revealing. Um, He joined on August 1st, 2022, so barely, you know, not even a month before the attack happened. And his bio stated, quote, I am a construction electrician in Columbus. I have had accounts blocked, locked, or deleted by ThemTube, Twitter, and believe it or not, Rumble. On the 5th, I tried to, and then there's nothing after that because there's a character limit. And I think he didn't realize that? So, I don't know. But at one point... On the 5th, I tried to finish this bio, but couldn't get around to it. (laughs) At one point, he posted on Facebook long before the raid, quote, Save ammunition. Ammunition, get in touch with the Proud Boys and learn how they did it in the Revolutionary War. Because submitting to tyranny while lawfully protesting was never the American way. He also (laughs) posted on Twitter, of course, right, presumably before he was banned, uh, that he was there on January 6th with a photo of the riot, presumably from his perspective. But after the Mar-a-Lago search, he posted to Truth Social saying, quote, People, this is it. I hope a call to arms comes from someone better qualified. But if not... This is your call to arms from me. Leave work tomorrow as soon as the gun shop slash army navy store slash slash pawn shop opens. Get whatever you need to be ready for combat. We must not tolerate this one. They have been conditioning us to accept tyranny, and we must respond with force. Mm. And I feel like that should get you a visit from somebody who can say, (laughs) Hey, um, how many guns you got there? You know what it is, Um, though? Not even. I know the, I don't not, actually want that. No, I just feel like the 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 overwhelming what the fuck of this post should cause some people to have alarm. You're, you're right. But it is too normal. In I the was world we live in. I was going for the straighter joke of not even the NSA is monitoring Truth Social. <laughs> 
probably factually accurate. Um, and another post uh, just after that, quote, I expect Donald Trump to call for peace. Donald Trump was my hero just a year ago, but we must not continue to lay down and take this. If he does not call for peace, it is probably because he fears for the lives of his grandchildren and young children. It is a dark situation for that family, but millions of other kids are in danger until we show the enemy how Americans do it. And I mean, like, Trump's grandchildren would would have a great time if he was suddenly in prison and all his money finally made its way down to the members of the family. So I... Did don't you, really have they don't really have much to worry about. Did you see about. Ivanka casually distancing herself just I enough to remain did. in the will this oh, week? <laughs> that was, that was beautiful. Yeah. That was fucking beautiful. I really loved it. Uh one truther responded to Schiffer saying he would be forwarding, forwarding Schiffer's info to the FBI, to which Schiffer responded, "Bring them on." And then he went and found the FBI. <laughs> yeah. Later in the day he posted, "Quote, evil already won. Now we need to fight a civil war to take back the country." The day after the Mar-a-Lago raid, Schiffer posted about people who were heading to Mar-a-Lago to protest, saying that if the FBI broke up the protest, they should kill them. Them being the FBI. Yep. Again, users responded to this with one saying that nobody should resort to violence, with Schiffer responding with, why not? I, you know, just asking questions. Yeah. Other truths posted by Schiffer over the few days before the attack included, quote, when tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. He said duty. And another one, quote, don't forget how Americans handle tyrants. And further, quote, they rig elections and get away with it. But most notably to most people, I think, Schiffer continued to post during his attack, posting at around 9.30 a.m., quote, well, I thought I had a way through bulletproof glass, and I didn't. Mm, Yep. If you don't hear from me, it is true I tried attacking the FBI, and it'll mean either I was taken off the internet, the FBI got me, or they sent the regular cops while, and then it ended. Um, to be clear... Really does not understand character limits. No, he does not. There's no doubt about this one's motivations, right? And I include it because it shows another facet of right-wing radicalization in our modern era, the prominence of absolute fealty to Donald Trump as a political ideology mm-hmm. and how that obviously warped one man's mind to the point of violence, right? And again, the false I would say flag... more than one man's mind to the yeah. point of violence. Yeah. Just this one and again, found a way to do it. The false flag fl- fl- claims just, just flew after this one, mostly because I think, this is my theory, there is simply no way to deal with this sort of thing if you accept that it is real. Right. If you accept that it happened, you have to accept your culpability in it happening. I mentioned, of course, uh, that Trump told people who were close to him that he believed it was fake. But of course, Charlie Kirk also threw out some seeds of doubt, claiming that the FBI was playing the victim uh, in OAN uh, yes. host. Yeah, playing the victim when they literally, literally were the victim. Um, an OAN host named Dan Ball had a guest on who straight out claimed that it was a hoax by Biden's Gestapo. And if you were on social media at the time, you saw the right treat it as either completely deserved or completely fake. There, there really wasn't any middle ground there. Mm. That was how it was. And that brings us to our last one of the day, Benedict. Um, and none of the responses to any of the attacks we've talked about today are, in my mind, as disgusting as the response to the most recent right-wing attack in this category. Yeah, this was particularly bad. Yeah, the Paul Pelosi hammer attack, right? Mm -hmm. 
I think we all know that on October 28th, a man named David DePape broke into the Pelosi home in San Francisco and attacked Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, with a hammer. So I won't dwell on the details too much, except to address the conspiracy theory that has been propagated around it. And the primary conspiracy that's cropped up is that Paul Pelosi's gay and this guy with his, his lover or something, right? And obviously that's just old school homophobic bigotry, right? Mm-hmm. And complete bullshit. It really doesn't merit being addressed. And the only real evidence they have is that Pelosi's a Democrat. Democrats are gay, right? Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's also, I think, bad. It, isn't it a long running conspiracy? You know, uh, they claim that it's a long-running conspiracy. They claim it, that it is. Um, But but really, nobody was doing a Paul Pelosi is gay thing before this happened. Okay. It's just them claiming that there's a long-running rumor that Pelosi's gay. It's... it's, These people really could have learned something from Hillary Duff, is all I'm saying. Um, That's a reference to an ad that you never saw in the early 2000s. That's correct. Hence the complete silence in my reaction. (laughs) My okay, brain you know went, what? Hillary Duff, huh? Leslie McGuire, <laughs> mm, no, not that. Next. Wow, I'm surprised you even know about about uh, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really we proud got, of you. We had Lizzie McGuire in the UK. Ah, what channel was it on? Disney Channel. We had Disney Channel. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't realize um, you didn't, you had Disney Channel. Okay, yep. uh, but Benedict, uh, you know what? Because it came up. I'm, I'm just going to play the Hillary Duff uh, PSA for you right now. All right. Here you go. Do you like this top? It's so gay. Really? Yeah, it's totally gay. You know, you really shouldn't say that. That's our girl Hillary saying you shouldn't say that. Yeah. Say what? Well, say that something's gay when you mean it's bad. It's insulting. What if every time something was bad, everybody said... So, girl wearing a skirt as a top. Oh, you are. <laughs> Those are cute jeans, though. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. It's <laughs> a fair point. Like, you know, like, it, no, it's, it's great. It's really great. I'm proud of Hillary. She was great for doing it. Thank you so much, Hillary. Uh, my community appreciates you. Um, but also. I mean, come on. That's bad writing. That's bad writing. It's such Kevin, bad most, writing. most writing is bad writing. <laughs> Even good writing is bad writing a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, anyways, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, the, the, whole, the whole of it is Democrats are bad, gay is bad, Democrats are gay. It's about as complicated as this gets, right? Alex Jones had a pretty gross rant about Pelosi and the attacker and this just just sick, weird, long tangent he went on about hammer play, which Benedict, let me tell you, as as a man who has slept with other men um, and is also involved in the BDSM community, hammer play isn't a thing. Not real, okay? (laughs) Maybe not Not for you. Not fucking real. Not fucking real. Alex went on this fucking long, gross tirade about, oh, they like to hit each other with hammers. And it's just, it, they did it on one of the recent Knowledge Fight episodes. If you want to hear about it, go there. It's fucking disgusting. But you literally saw every right winger playing that same game. Because once again, you cannot deal with the reality of what happened and the role that your rhetoric played in it. But one thing they have tried to use to deflect is DePape's past as basically a hippie living in the East Bay. Um, and of course... He wrote a blog. Um, and 
the day of the attack, I I texted you that I had been to that blog because Rolling Stone had linked to it in their story. Um, I've been to it, and let me tell you, in order to reach the conclusion that this guy is a hippie and not a far-right lunatic, mm-hmm. you need to scroll for about an hour and a half past shitloads of posts about QAnon and Pizzagate and It's Okay to Be White and Drag Queen Story Hour screeds and cultural Marxism bullshit. You cannot look at this guy and reach the conclusion that he is on the left. Go fuck yourselves. It's an intentional lie. They are relying on the fact that, yes, at one point in the past, this guy was all into crystals and the earth healing and all this shit, Mm. and he lived in sort of a quasi-commune thing. And then when Trump came around, he turned into a far-right lunatic. Yeah, that happened to a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. There's just, there's, there's no doubt. He also had another website registered him that was called the Friendly Friends Blog, spelled F-R-E-N-L-Y-F-R-E-N-S. And that is, of course, a reference to the fucking neo-Nazi Gruypers. Mm. That's one of the things that they put out all the time, is using fucking this bullshit child language Nazis, because they're a bunch of fucking children. <sighs> so there's no doubt where DePape was coming from, right? He posted videos from Mike Lindell about election fraud. He was a fanboy of James Lindsay and Jordan Peterson. And he himself credited Gamergate for his shift to right-wing politics. Yeah, that broke a lot of people's brains as well. How many times have you said that on this episode today? A lot. There's been a lot of things that broke people's brains. <laughs> yeah, it has. And then, of course, there's the troubling and difficult for the right to deal with confession of his intent to the police. Oh, very explicit tr- confession with detailed steps. Yeah, yeah. Where his plan was apparently to wait at the home for Nancy to return and then interrogate Nancy and break her knees if she lied to her so she would have to be wheeled into Congress as a warning to the others. It's very explicit, (sighs) very explicit, very, very explicit. And, you know, one of the things that these people rely on and one of the things that Alex Jones tried to use to claim the whole thing about Pelosi knew this guy or something is they claim that it is a 911 call. It's not a 911 call. The 911 call has not been released. What they have is the call from the 911 operator to another person internal to the department who was relaying what was said on the call and they're just there's a pronoun reference issue where the the dispatcher whoever it is says to the other person he said he's a friend because pelosi had told her had told the dispatcher that the man da pape had said that he was a friend Mm, it's entirely fucking pronoun reference issues Pelosi was not saying he was a friend. He was saying that DePape had said he was a friend. It's just, it's very intentional. There's no excuse for it. Mm. There's no way to get around the fact that they know this is false. You have to intentionally tilt your head to the side and squint real hard and then punch yourself in the face about 20 times in order to believe any of this. But they have to. Because if they accept the reality, again, as I've said throughout this episode then they have to accept their role in causing this to happen. And they just cannot do that. You know, this man had mental health issues and drug abuse in his history. But again, it's just another example of the rights driftwood making its way to their shores and then kicking it away, hoping that it never returns. Was that poetic enough to end an episode on? I think Does so. Does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I think That's... so. So, um, you know, I told you 
that we'd be covering a specific type of person this episode. Did I, uh, do you understand what I meant by the time we get to the end of this? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a lot of talking. I will say that. Yeah. You know, if there's one person on this list that I'd like people to know more about, I think it's definitely Jim Atkinson. Um, because as I said, I think that should have been a watershed moment. I think what he shows, what his story shows, what his manifesto shows is how right-wing radicalization works, what it feeds on, what it tells people, and what it can lead to if they keep going down the path that they've gone down. So that's where we will leave it for today, I suppose. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC for as little as... Wow, I can't stop burping during the outro. <laughs> for as little as one buck. I'm leaving it in. Fuck it, we're doing it live. All right. uh, for as little as $1 an episode for patronal... Oh, God, now I'm just fucking up all over. It's all staying in. It's all staying in. We're at the point where it's just all staying in. Uh, for patronal the episode, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons... Clifton Stucky, Paws, Lilith 210, a baby! Uh, that was too close to my bacaw. Yep. <laughs> Veronica Forker, Melissa C, JD, George Saulnier, Janet Yotter, Stefan, Shanna Hellman, Shannon Hellman, Shannon Hellman, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, bacaw! Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver. Big Easy Blast Me, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanan, and Balls Waters. And thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's episode. Till next time, Fox News. Not even once. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.